The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to the alternative, the and questions virtual reality, sponsored by ISEDN.org. Is there life beyond the big four search engines? Are webmasters spending more than they need to, or leaving money on the table? What opportunities exist on the margins? Spend the next hour exploring paid and free alternatives to the major search engines. Now, step into the alternative with your host, Jim Hedler. Hey, welcome to The Alternatives on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're sponsored by our ISEDN.org. I'm Jim Hedger. I'm the executive editor of SitePronews.com, and uh, we have got a great show for you today. You know, for the week before Christmas, this has actually been a, uh, a really exciting week. There's been a lot happening in the news, and um, you know what? I think we should just jump right into the news. Our genial co-host, Dave Davies, is here. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm amazing today. You know what? I'm at home today. This is like the very first alternative show I've ever done from the comfort of my own home. Seriously, seriously, all the ones I've ever done from Victoria, I've done from my uh, business partner's place out behind the Tweed Curtain in Oak Bay. But um, Got a landline? Well, yeah, I reached back into the 20th century and got myself a landline <laughs> in my home office. Um, I guess that stemmed from a, from a work audit that uh, my business partner did on me. And he found that I'm spending 44 to, like, 50 hours a month on the telephone. And now, cell I think, phone data. I think he, really, he got into that because the cell phone bill came in. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a landline. I'm back in the 20th century again. <laughs> well, good for you. A nice step back. Maybe the world will look a little different from there. Well, it sounds different. I'll tell you that. A little bit clearer. You know, not as many, not as many breaks or pauses in conversation. Um, Speaking of a little bit clearer, things, things that give us clarity. For years, we've been looking at Nielsen net ratings or Comscore stats to tell us, um, to let us know what the search engine shares, right? And um, recently, and, and independently of each other, too, um, two researchers have come out with like, wildly different stats than we, than we normally see. Um, the, most, the most recent uh, Nielsen net rating stats, for instance, gave Google a uh, 49.5% of the, sh- of the search market. That's right. With Yahoo, yeah, that's right, with Yahoo coming in at 24.3, uh, Windows Live Search at 8.2, and um, Ask down there at 2.6%. Um, the good thing for Ask is they're growing. Now, that was kind of neat, but we, we saw Google in uh, Nielsen net ratings having about half the search market. Well, last week, Richard Zwicky from Inquisit, and yesterday, um, Richard uh, Scrinetta, uh, one of the founders of, of uh, Open Directory, they both independently released, uh, released data showing that Google has like a 70 to 78 percent share of the search traffic, of, of driven search traffic. Now, that's wildly different. 78 percent of, of driven search traffic, according to Inquisit. Yes. As, now, as an SEO, what do you think about that, Dave? I, I, I reflect back on, uh, on a quote by, by one Mr. Mark Twain. There are three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Um, okay. and, and not to say that this data is, is based on a, on a large pool, what, 10 million, uh, 10 million visitors from search engines. So uh, we're, we're definitely dealing with this and, and the, uh, the comm score as well um, are, are based on, on 
large amounts of data, and, and they definitely have to be taken into account when we look at it. Um, but I think before um, anybody, any user or, or webmaster goes out there um, and sort of grabs this data as, as a given and, and runs forward with it, um, there's two sides that we have to look at on any part, and that is, uh, one, what is the source? Okay, we have 10 million uh, search referrals, so that, that is a, a pretty decent um, source. I'm not, you, you may have a, a little more information on this. I don't have access to know what categories it is in, what segments are they in, what, uh, what demographic is the, are the people that these, their, their sites or, or stats are being compiled by, where are they coming from, um, these sorts of things. This is the same, same with the, the comm score, definitely not, uh, not any sort of a attack on Inquisit, um, but just more an emphasis of when we're looking at statistics, we have to, we have to base this on something. We have to understand where this, this information is coming from. Um, well, certainly. We also have to understand the methodology used to, to come up with these stats. Um, now, I wrote, actually, I wrote a piece in the MetaMen blog yesterday about the, the difference between these stats and then where I see the big difference. Um, they're measuring different things. Uh, Nielsen Net Ratings is measuring the share of searches. Um, people actually going and typing in www.google.com or www.yahoo.com or, or live.com or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't necessarily track what they do after typing in the URL. It doesn't track um, hitting the backspace button and conducting more searches in the same user session. What it does is it tracks what they typed in at the beginning of the user session. And Quizit, on the other hand, it takes, the, um, it takes its clients' logs and parses where all traffic came from. So it... Uh, removes traffic that, that, that might have come from another site through a link, and it just checks into search and you know search traffic, um, how the search engine users are behaving um, when they type in a query and, and, and how the search engines direct to, uh, to client sites. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the thing that really got me about the Inquisit data, Inquisit data and the thing that, that I actually appre appreciate about it is it falls in line with uh, my experience as an SEO where when you look in client logs, you see Google, 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 just referral to Google over and over and over again, and far less referrals from Yahoo or MSN or, or Ask or um, any of the other searches. Um, you know what, fact, I, I tend to agree there with, I mean, you know, stats on what I see the same stats. I, I see them for, for clients and, and these sorts of things. Now, two things that, that we may have to take a look at there, or, or one of them specifically is, uh, and, and you notice this if you compare the two sets of data, um, may almost be uh, a reflection of either the type of searcher that goes to Google versus Yahoo or MSN, um, or some sort of reflection on the results themselves. Um, and, and I mention this because if we know Yahoo to have a, a higher than average or, or higher than reflected by the inquisitive stats um, percentage of the market share involving searchers, but there are less referrals, um, a question we may want to ask as users of the search engines is, if less traffic is being generated by Yahoo, um, but they, then, then their market share would dictate, does that mean that people that are visiting Yahoo are having to visit less sites? Um, you know, if your Google stats are so many search queries, you know, 78% of search queries are coming from Google, whereas they only have 50% market share, that can be used to indicate that users at Google are having to click on more results, thus generating uh, more, more specific referrals through it may be that the Yahoo average user is clicking on only one or two results and being quite satisfied with what they're finding there, or MSN users who, uh, according to Inquisit stats, sit at around 4%, where 
well, they have almost double that market share. So are users of MSN finding faster or with less clicks what they're looking for? Um, you so know what, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. And I think the only way to really clear that up is to try to get Richard on the show. And so you know what, we're going to endeavor to get Richard Zwicky on the show sometime in the new year. But you know what, I just got a message from our producer. We've got to move along. Um, okay. We have a few more news items here. Um, you know who isn't, who I don't see on, uh, on, the, on either of these lists? Who is that? The Open Directory. Demon. <laughs> they're, they're not in the top ten uh, search refers there, Dave, but um, for a while there, they weren't even online. No, and uh, for a while there, they weren't even uh, on my list of, uh, of directories to submit to. <laughs> oh, no doubt. No, no, no. Let, 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 me, let me take a step back. They were online. They've been online the whole time. But um, the directory itself was, uh, I guess, since October 20th, um, uneditable. You know, okay, I guess that's, that's the point, and, and you, you can't submit to it. So this is, I mean, of course, I'm, you know, once a week popping in to see if anything's changed over there. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, I believe you, you pointed out a, a good article there. Um, can't remember whether it was last week or, or just in an email, but about the nine lives of, uh, of Demos and have they used them up. Um, well, let me, let me turn the question on you. What do you think? Um, has Demos used them up? You know what? I don't think so. I think as long as it's volunteer energy, as long as there's the spirit of, um, of, trying to build uh, what they consider to be the best possible directory they can build, I think that Demos is alive. Um, it, it reminds me of that Terry Pratchett novel, Small Gods, as long as you believe in it, it stays alive. But um, what I think I think that's definitely going to come of this is uh, a redefinition of what Demos means to its editors and to the community itself. Um, you know, with the rise of Google and the importance of Google since 2002, Demos and the Open Directory has been such an important place for SEOs to get there to get a listing into, um, mm-hmm. to, to either support or, or to promote the early placements. Um, the last two years, with the big backlog and the, the, the loss of editorial energy there, a lot of, lot of SEOs have, and a lot of the web marketing community has, has sort of moved away from Demos. It doesn't mean that the Demos editors thought that, I mean, they, they weren't working for the search marketing community to begin with. No. That, wasn't, that wasn't their goal. And, um, you know, I think, I think we're going to see a revitalized open directory. I'm, I'm hoping to anyway. I, I don't necessarily want to see it go away. But I do want to see its power in the search marketing community, like, seriously, seriously curtailed. You know, I think this, this actually may be a, a very good discussion and totally agreed on, on that point and, and uh, perhaps even move it out of, uh, you know, use the, uh, the rel equals no follow or something like that to make the DMOS just something you submit to because it is the directory that it is. Um, but it may be an interesting discussion for us to have on next week's show when we're talking about predictions. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so, absolutely. Um, you know, you what, know what, can I just bring up a, a quick point on, on just a side note because I'm talking to you and I'm, I'm being reminded of it now. Um, and mm-hmm. for all our listeners, you know, I, I won't tell you how to vote because that's, that's not the way to go. Um, but Lauren Baker over at Search Engine Journal has put up a vote on that. Uh, our, our friend here, uh, Mr. Jim Hedger, is, uh, is on the list for, for top bloggers. Um, I know I, I cast my vote for him. I, I think he's an excellent blogger, and, uh, and all of you can just go to searchenginejournal.com. The link's on the home page to the vote. Uh, just a little plug for you, Jim, because I think you're a great blogger, and um, just get that, uh, get that out there and, and get all the... The listeners here voting uh, as a plus. You're going to find a lot of other great resources in their list of candidates to uh, to go and, and read what they have to say too. 
Well, you know what? I'm I'm totally with you there on the uh, on the great resources in that list of candidates. Um, I was stepping outside the script there a bit, Dave. I kind of feel weird about that. But um, thank you very much. I, I greatly appreciate that. But let me tell you, when you look at that list of bloggers, you see some incredible names there. You see like Danny Sullivan, Barry Schwartz, and Aaron Wall. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a list of about uh, 25 very well-known bloggers. Matt Cutts is on there. And, you know, against some of these guys, I totally... I. I'd love to get a few votes, and I'd really hope to play somewhere in the, you know, somewhere <laughs> high. But I don't expect to win against some of these people. I mean, um, the people on that list are people who I greatly admire for 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 their writing and their contribution to the to the search marketing industry. So, you know, what I really want people to do, I really want people to go to uh, Search Engine Journal, check out the voting page, and show some appreciation for the people who bring you uh, the news and, and information of the industry. Um, because we really do work hard at it, and there's some great names in there. So, you know, if you see something you recognize or see something that, you know, you have a good memory from, give those people a vote. Um, you know who Dave, I saw in there? Our good friend Neil Patel. And Neil's in there. Well, you know, he's a genius. Yeah, he's well, a, he's yes, an he evil is. little genius. And, um, he was 15. Um, God, yeah, I can't, I, I can't get over that guy. But you know what I do got to get over? We got to get over the commercial hump. We have to right. uh, take a break. Um, pay some bills, and we're going to be coming back with uh, Ryan Shasabatov from Panda Software. So this is Jim Hedger and Dave Davies from The Alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back in just a few minutes. The Alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Tracks, all new version six. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes: Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk: you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future. Into a fortune. How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? Hey, all we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50% the highest payouts on the net and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. JoeBucks.com. Google AdSense, how do I earn from thee? Let me count the ways. Google, you enable me to show targeted ads complementing my site so my visitors keep clicking throughout the day and night. It was so easy to apply and select the ad formats I liked. Since I've discovered AdSense, I've been filled with delight. So earn more with matching ads and you too can discover how. Just visit google.com slash AdSense now. It's SC Guru's Rainmaker. I'll tell you that. For those of you who can't see what's sitting across from me. <laughs> what? Spaghetti strap thing on. And his beautiful co-host, Brandy. It's all about the body size. <laughs> Rainmaker. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on Webmaster Radio. 
drop into the Webmaster chat room. Webmasterradio.fm. Clothing is optional. Webmasterradio.fm. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. And now, transport back into the alternative on Webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Webmaster Radio is everywhere, and we're back here on The Alternatives. And, um, you know, we have a really interesting guest today. We have uh, Ryan Shisabatov from Panda Software. Um, Ryan's a Panda technology officer. He's uh, been working with Panda Software for three or four years now. And um, the other day in an interview I did with him, he told me that he's uh, kind of like their security evangelist. He's been going to trade shows, conventions, talking to tech teams, and he wants to talk to the world about cybersecurity and the threat of botnets. Ryan, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Well, it's good to talk to you again. Welcome to The Alternative. Thank you very much. Um, could you describe, uh, let's, let's, let's paint a picture for the audience. Um, what is Panda Software and what's your role there? Uh, Panda Software is the anti-malware solutions company. Um, we develop products that are innovative to combat new and emerging threats. My role at Panda Software is the product technology officer, basically the security evangelist for our products and technologies, as well as security in a general mind. So I, I talk about different trends, threats, and solutions to these problems. Okay, and, and who, do you, who do you talk to about, about these problems? Uh, we talk to various uh, media um, different press. We definitely appear on many different radio shows. We also do strategic uh, speaking engagements where we present um, various trends in malware statistics, and we, we talk about um, various online threats that are starting to emerge that are becoming a concern, especially to people who deal with um, online banking and especially click fraud, which we'll talk about soon. Oh, absolutely. Um, what's malware? Could you, could you quickly define malware? Malware is actually a coined term for malicious software. It's any type of program that is designed to carry out a malicious or damaging action to your PC. Okay. And you talked about some of the threats that malware might represent. Um, what kind of threats are we talking about here? Well, some of the threats we're talking about right now, there has been a change in malware dynamics. There was a previous situation that I think a lot of people are familiar with um, during the days of script kitties and um, the times when you've seen massive propagating malware such as the Blaster, Sasser, and some of the MyDoom variants. Those were the days where um, viruses and worms were designed to make a very prolific impact and the visibility was high. And that was one threat trend um, that was kind of prevalent for a while from 1990 um, to around, I guess, 99. It's, it's diminished now and turned to what we call economically motivated malware. Instead of creating a situation visibly, the whole purpose now is to steal information um, in order to get some sort of monetary gain. And it's kind of coined term, the silent epidemic, because it's not visible. You cannot detect 
there's no visible symptoms. So that's how we've changed um, dynamics. So before, the uh, the malware makers, the, the script kiddies, as you called them, um, they were uh, just trying to prove they were there, trying to prove their muscle. Now they're trying to steal. Yeah, and and it's like you, you probably heard of the um, infamous hackers that brought down Yahoo and Google in their, you know, the early days, and they targeted um, high-profile sites to do distributed denial-of-service attacks. That's not the case anymore. There's really a, an organized crime front behind the recent malware that has been discovered, and, and some of the statistics, which are quite interesting in the Panda Labs, which is our antivirus research laboratories, that identity theft trojans are the most frequented malicious code detected um, rather than viruses, worms, hacking tools, and, you know, dialers are on the diminishing front. That means that rather than, you know, that type of code being the most prevalent, it's now trojans which are sitting there in the background, remain, remaining hidden, basically, and they're designed to do various actions to um, exploit systems and get whatever necessary information to be able to rip off data and get monetary gain. Now, one of the things I understand that that's, that's getting um, so frightening about these Trojans is, um, unlike viruses, which acted as single units, these guys are acting as collectives, as... Um, well, basically, they're making networks. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and that's another type um, of threat we see as well, which is called the bot network. And what that essentially is is zombie PCs which have been compromised by the attacker. And the formation of a botnet, the way it works is that you've got a control center, which is kind of like having an administrative console, but you've got thousands of PCs. There's been cases of 1.5 million PCs compromised um, in a recent case, or actually a case earlier this year with some Dutchman who actually established a bot network. And they work collectively because there are certain situations that require a large amount of PCs, especially click fraud, to be able to achieve that successfully and avoid detection, a massive network is required. They also data from systems, like a good example is someone logging into a banking site. They have malware or a bot designed to capture those keystrokes or video captures of the um, virtual keyboard. In some cases, banks use that to give an additional validation to, say, just a standard password, but they've designed or found ways to defeat that so that it's a combination of either relaying spam doing a DOS attack on you, phishing, banking. I mean, there, there's a whole um, onslaught of different variations of bot networks out there. Well, the motivation is obviously to make money, but how right. much money are we talking about? Well, here's a good example. Imagine if each bot in a 50,000 bot network was making, say, $5 per PC per week, you could essentially get hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and the way they make a large amount of money is the multiplication of the amount of nodes that are being controlled remotely. Otherwise, it wouldn't be really an effective attack. 
So they distribute the attack. It's very difficult to tell if this is a human PC or if it's a bot-controlled PC. Um, and the more widely distributed, the harder it is to catch them. Is that correct? Yeah, because um, nowadays the bot networks are not just concentrated into a city or a continent. They've spread it rapidly across the Internet to, say, different countries, so it avoids suspicion. Now, the most common usage of a bot network is to obviously either relay spam or perform click fraud, and in the case of click fraud, it requires unique clicks or unique IP addresses, but not from a concentrated zone. So they have to come up with a way to um, defeat the measures or the practices put in place by security professionals to detect those type of attacks. So that's why they need a bot network. Well, how good are they at it? How good are they at, at, at getting past the, the, the security protocols out there? It's actually, they're pretty uh, sophisticated because um, take a look at, for example, there was a um, clickbot.a, which was a piece of malware which exploited the pay-per-click model, which what they did is they created a bot that would install through um, a Trojan or through a browser helper object, which in that case someone would visit a site that was infected, but they wouldn't know because active malware would be transmitted from inactive running content such as JavaScript or the WMF exploit, install it into the PC, and then this PC could do any various sorts of things. Being that it was geographically dispersed, these were synchronized to clicking certain patterns to avoid suspicion. And this was obviously designed by someone who had a complete understanding on what pay-per-click advertising was and exactly what countermeasures are put in place and what are the symptoms of click fraud. Therefore, they designed an effective model to avoid that. Eventually, they were shut down, but they were able to get away with it for some time. How long were they able to get away with it for, if you can estimate? Estimated probably a couple of weeks. I mean, um, in this case, we worked with RSA Security to be able to shut down the control center um, by notifying the ISPs because we're able to find a, an example of one of these bots and we're able to trace back where the control center was. Even though he attempted to move the control center multiple places, we're able to track, like there was a signature in more of a deep level coding of the bot that we're able to detect. And that, that's really the essentialness of um, how this attack occurred and how it was kind of dismantled. But it's it's difficult to detect because they've designed it to avoid, you know, there's a common symptom list that um, people look at for click fraud, and this totally went against that and was totally undetectable. Do you know of any other networks like this out there? There's tons. If you just start going through the news, um, the other day I found one where um, a Dutchman was being prosecuted for a 1.5 million PC bot network. Whether or not he did click fraud is a different story, but they, they they don't just design them for that purpose. I mean, they're there for relaying spam, phishing, installing other malware, or capturing banking details, which is the most common one, is to watch people's logins to get personal information. Incredible. 
Ryan, I want you to stick around for a few minutes. We have to sure. get a break. Um, we'll be back in about two minutes on Webmaster Radio. We have uh, Ryan Shasabatov from Panda Software, and um, we're going to keep talking about uh, ClickBots, um, cybersecurity, and I, I think I'd like to get into what people can do to help themselves. But, again, we've got to pay some bills. Back in a couple minutes. The Alternative on FM. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Are your ads managing you? Tired of click fraud and little or no ROI on your pay-per-click search ads? Take control. Reduce your costs and gain valuable traffic with effective flat fee featured listings on over 245 search engines and web directories from the ISEDN.org, the independent search engine and directory network. Now free yourself from click fraud, bidding, and hassles with low-cost top 10 exposure for less than $4 a month from ISEDN. So visit ISEDN.org today and discover how easy it is maximizing your company's online revenue stream with affordable search engine and directory flat fee ads from the isedn.org want traffic for results without hassle look no further than search ad network focused on your core goals our dedicated account management team will drive your online sales increase brand recognition and generate leads for offline sales through expert search engine marketing and technology in addition search ad network offers free click fraud detection and api access into all major engines to ensure your business reaches their desired roi visit searchadnetwork.com today to experience true profit through performance it's no secret. Linking with relevant sites is a dynamic way to enhance site traffic. Avoid using unethical practices to promote your website. Obtain quality, relevant links with linksmanager.com. Since 1999, linksmanager.com has been the leading choice for managing link campaigns by thousands of websites. Editor-based link management software makes relevant link exchange ethical, fast, and easy. No software to install. Free unlimited support. Try linksmanager.com free for 30 days. Accept no limitations. Want a hot pod? Load it with webmasterradio.fm and play with us all day long. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. We're back on the on the alternative here on webmasterradio.fm, show sponsored by the ISEDN.org. I'm Jim Hedger, executive editor of SitePronews.com, and um, we're back with Ryan Shersabatov from Panda Software. Ryan, um, I had read that uh, Panda says, or on Panda's website, it claims that 20% of all U.S. home or business computers are infected with malware. Is that true? And um, how do you guys substantiate that? Well, in that case there, that's definitely a true case because it doesn't mean that the malicious code is somewhat like a bot, but there's like spyware, there's adware, there's cookies, there's some variation, and this information is kind of done through a study um, by just kind of the samples and variants we see, it's able to establish sort of like a ratio as to how much is detected. Okay, that's, but it's, nevertheless, we're, t- we're, we're looking at one in five computers in the United States, and, and, and we can assume that in, in, around the world the, the numbers may even be worse. Yes, that's right. Wow. Um, zero day. What's zero day or what's zero hour? Um, zero day and zero hour is 
basically it means when there's a vulnerability discovered, um, it's not yet known to the um, vendor or the person who is actually affected by it. So therefore, malicious code authors create um, code to exploit that vulnerability. So there's kind of like a window between when it was released and when it was actually discovered. And the time between vulnerability discovered to patch creation is what we call the zero hour or zero day. So it's kind of like taking advantage of an exploit the day it comes out or the hour it comes out. So there's already code created at that point in time. I'm sure that the hackers make it hard for you guys. Oh, yeah, definitely, because um, for an anti-malware solutions company, I mean, you obviously have to keep on top of things, but we found that the standard signature defenses are not adequate, meaning that there's usually 4 to 16-hour latency between when this malicious code hits the wild to an actual signature file release because it requires a research lab to obtain a sample of this code. They need to disassemble it. Then they need to look for a common trait. Then they need to go through a whole quality process to create a signature file. So the trend now is to create proactive defense solutions which um, are solely designed for detecting this type of malicious code before it has a chance to propagate or damage the systems. And Panda as a company has um, developed something several years ago that um, sort of aims to achieve this purpose by um, analyzing behavior rather than doing a static signature scan. So that's found to be very effective. And we actually are very good at killing bots. So it's kind of like the bot killer now. So that's the, the emerging trend in the field. And there's other um, any malware solutions providers out there starting to come on board with creating these types of solutions to combat this very unique threat. So what are some of the other solutions out there? Um, you talked about, about looking at the behavior of, of how malware works. Um, what else is there to look at? Well, there's obviously, I mean, the most common type of technology that's incorporated, I would say in about 60% of other products is either an advanced form of heuristics or a rules-based technology. And what the heuristic scanners do, they, they look at certain characteristics within the file. So it's not really analyzing anything occurring in real time. So it isn't situational aware or OS aware. It's just doing a static scan. Some are better than others because they're heuristical patterns or algorithms are more evolved than the other, but heuristics has kind of fallen short because um, the false positive ratio is kind of high because you're only looking at a static file. You're not looking at how does it operate at the kernel and what does it do um, and how does it interact with the rest of the programs on the OS. And that's where we find a real-time intelligent analysis is much better than kind of like a dumb static scan. So you mentioned that the, the, the two major forms right now are ID, ID theft and click fraud. Right. Why can't the major institutions, the, the large banks, the credit agencies, or the large search engines, 
why can't they develop a protection? Well, because, first of all, let's take a look at the um, kind of the history. I mean, they don't have anti-malware expertise, right? Like, for example, I mean, they could obviously outsource it, and some companies acquire companies to develop solutions, but it makes it very difficult because, first of all, if you don't have a history of analyzing malicious code, it's very hard to develop a solution that is able to track these trends. It's kind of like um, going into a field blind, right? So that's that's why they're, they're probably not developing solutions. Or as for the click fraud aspect, they're developing more of proxy-based detection solutions rather than um, developing client-end solutions that would be offered to their customers. So they're trying to detect it at the server level, which I find is partially effective but not effective enough because the origination of click fraud is done through bots and the bot networks are designed to avoid the common symptoms of detection. Like, for example, um, there's certain symptoms such as concentration of clicks from a certain area, increases in traffic, keywords that weren't popular before are suddenly popular. So those are some of the symptoms that click fraud exhibits. Okay. Um, are the bad guys faster than the good guys are? I would say so, because there is a new technique they're using to stay ahead of the game. What they're doing is they're creating so many unique samples that an antivirus research lab ends up getting a pending queue. So, for example, in, I believe, um, in one month, you can get like 600, 800 different Trojans. So they're basically overwhelming the <clears throat> resources that these research labs have. And some of the more obscure and um, less resourceful antivirus companies are having a difficult time dealing with this because they don't have all the infrastructure necessary for analyzing this code. Okay. This, um, this is a story straight out of the science fiction files, but on December 1st, the Department of Homeland Security issued a warning of a possible attack on the New York Stock Exchange and on NASDAQ. It was a botnet attack they were warning about. Do you think that sort of... Uh, is, is, that the, is that the work of science fiction, or is that a possible reality? It's a possible reality. I mean, anything, any software program or computing infrastructure has the possibility of being exploited. If we could see like in, in the Dutchman case where there's a 1.5 million PCs infected in a bot network, I'm pretty sure that um, there's a possibility of the New York Stock Exchange getting exploited as well. It's just a matter of time. Like they started off with exploiting, um, you know, pay-per-click advertising. The trends we see is going more sophisticated economically and finding different models that they can take advantage of. Okay, but let, 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 I guess let's cut to the chase here. Who are these guys? Um, Who these are the guys bad guys? Are, the profiles, I would say, these guys are cyber criminals. It's usually organized crime overseas in foreign countries. Um, they usually hire very experienced programmers to be able to develop this code. It's not like an individual person um, like in, in the past before where they're trying to get notor notoriety or fame. It's really like a group behind this. And there, there's so many out there that it's very hard to track, but that's really the profile of the author now. Okay. 
Um, where are some of the? Where are they originating from? Well, um, do you do you know some of the countries of origin? Yeah, I mean, in in a good example, there was a news article on some of these threats coming from Romania, where you know the kids were being hired and could make more money writing malicious code than doing something productive. So it could be former Yugoslavia, it could be Eastern European countries. I mean, that's usually the common source because it's very hard for the U.S. to take any sort of action on that. And some of the more smaller countries may not have any laws that enact or prevent click fraud because obviously something like Bosnia, I don't think they have laws on that. Now, I, I imagine for the uh, for the FBI or for the Secret Service, this is a jurisdictional nightmare trying to trying to track these down. Yeah, definitely. Is there a protocol in international law around this? I don't think they've established an actual law yet. I mean, it's starting to come to to play. I mean, there's obviously, you know, hacking is a fraud, obviously, but some more of these jurisdictions, the more the threat increases, the more ways they're going to figure out how to prosecute. Um, mainly what what is being done to resolve situations with botnet, bot networks is to go after the ISPs and shut down the control centers of the servers being hosted. So, and that's, that's the case with the RSA bot network, the clickbot.a, where RSA and Panda jointly were able to shut down um, the servers that were being utilized at the ISP. So that's really what's being found as effective now eventually it might change. Okay, um, Ryan, if I, if I could beg your indulgence for, for two more minutes. We have to take another break. Sure. Um, I'd like to, when we come back, though, I would like to talk about home security and business security. Um, okay. So this is Jim Hedger from uh, The Alternatives on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be right back after these messages. The Alternatives on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. It's no secret. Linking with relevant sites is a dynamic way to enhance site traffic. Avoid using unethical practices to promote your website. Obtain quality, relevant links with linksmanager.com. Since 1999, linksmanager.com has been the leading choice for managing link campaigns by thousands of websites. Editor-based link management software makes relevant link exchange ethical, fast, and easy. No software to install. Free unlimited support. Try linksmanager.com free for 30 days. Accept no limitations. Are you getting the most out of your online advertising? Now get more from your media spend with superior real-time targeting and creative optimization technology. Get more now from Casali Media. Casali Media. Save big as Casali Media's ad experts place your premium campaigns across the web's hottest properties at the most competitive rates. Want more? Get, get more. Visit casalimedia.com slash more to request your media kit. Casali Media. Advertising online is better here. Casali Media. Are your ads managing you? Tired of click fraud and little or no ROI on your pay-per-click search ads? Take control. Reduce your costs and gain valuable traffic with effective flat fee featured listings on over 245 search engines and web directories from the ISEDN.org, the independent search engine and directory network. Now free yourself from click fraud, bidding, and hassles with low-cost top 10 exposure for less than $4 a month from ISEDN. So visit ISEDN.org today. 
today and discover how easy it is maximizing your company's online revenue stream with affordable search engine and directory flat fee ads from the isedn.org. And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. We're back on the alternative, rounding up the hour here. It's um, quarter to the hour, so we only have about 15 minutes left. Um, we have Ryan Shasabatov from Panda Software on the line. And actually, Ryan, well, um, you and I have been speaking. Our co-host, Dave Davies, has been running one of your products in the background, checking out his home system. And I think um, he just IM'd me. He said he had, uh, he's been having a very thorough experience with it. Dave, Hi, Ryan. How's it going? Hey, Dave. Yeah, I'm just running, I uh, noticed I was, of course, at the site and noticed the, uh, the active scan, which, you know, it's free, so our listeners uh, should probably run out there and, and give it a try. The price is certainly right. And, uh, yeah, it appears <laughs> to be running a very, very thorough search of my computer. Yeah, and, and the active scan tool is actually um, designed to do a deep scan into, it also incorporates a technology that's called gen- uh, genetic heuristics, and it's kind of like... Um, in evolved heuristics, being that you can't actually analyze processes in real time uh, with this tool, it, it does a more evolved code analysis by doing genetic profiles. So you might find some new things on your system that you didn't know about. You might have a bot. You might have some spyware. Well, that's kind of what I'm hoping to find, just because it would be interesting, uh, given that we're ta- what we're talking about right now. But I notice we have the the Panda Active Scan. This is free for anybody who wants to give it a try. But then there's Panda Active Scan Pro. Can you tell me what the what the difference is? What will I find with the Pro version as opposed to the, um, to the free the, version? Being the fact that the the Pro version is really meant to disinfect everything because there is a limited disinfection capability with the regular Active Scan, where Active Scan Pro disinfects some of the spyware and the more advanced malware. But this tool, keep in mind. It's not to be a permanent antivirus solution because it is a on-demand scanner. That's right. why there's other products that are permanent protection that are constantly analyzing the system to ensure that there isn't any intrusion. Well, and this is the thing I, that I'd like to get into right now. Um, there's two, t- two classes of users I see, maybe perhaps even three, um, home, business, and institutional. Are there different things that each of these different types of users have to think about when, ta- when thinking about home or network security? Well, with obviously with home security, I mean, the the audience or the user may not be as educated with the type of threat, so meaning they may not have an adequate firewall, they may not have the proper technical defenses in place. Therefore, the types of sites they visited or visit um, could invite a more increase in malicious code, where businesses usually have firewalls and defenses on the perimeter, but their employees still have the chance of inviting code. So a home user is a little bit more vulnerable based on the profile of the user as well as the type of sites they probably usually visit, especially with kids and teens. Um, Some kids may want to go to hacking sites. You never know. I mean, that stuff really invites malware because that installs it remotely through scripts. So some of those some of those sites that attract kids. Um, I'm not going to mention any of the company names, but um, I've I've had my friends' kids over here installing you know free games on my computer while me and their parents talk. Um, I could be they could be going into some scary territory there. They could be, and a lot of these games and 
programs could actually have hidden malicious code. And a very interesting thing is that they've recently discovered that there's fake codecs which are going out there, which are video libraries or the translation libraries for certain media, uh, but they're attaching at the very end malicious code. So they're starting to embed it in that, and the common way to get a Trojan in the system is through social engineering. That means that you have to download something, but they're not knowing about it. I mean, they unsuspectedly download some program and something installs, and they, they, they're not aware of it. And, and, and most of these, most of these, this malware, it'll be running in the background, and the user's not aware at all. Yeah, because there is no visible symptoms. I mean, even for the more advanced skilled user, you're not going to find a process or a service associated with it because they use techniques to be able to remain hidden. And some update remotely to avoid um, being detected by a signature file because some bot networks can actually update themselves, the bot itself, so... If it was being detected today by, say, antivirus company B, well, an hour later it's not because it gets updated remotely with new variants. You know, I was going to ask you to recommend some specific products, but I, you know, I, I think I've got a better way of asking this question. Ryan, what security products do you have running on your computer? I actually have Panda Internet Security 2007, which has the standard anti-malware security solution as well as the advanced behavioral analysis, which is the true prevent. So that's really what I run, plus the um, built-in firewall with the product as well. Okay, now what about some of the some of the other products that are out there, like Zone Alarm or AdAware or, um, you know, some of the, some of the, the free options out there? Because I, I know a lot of our listeners are running small businesses, and they have, they have tight pocketbooks. Right, obviously. I mean, some of the free tools are actually focused towards um, – a specific threat. I mean, AdAware is a definitely decent product. I mean, it detects spyware and adware. There's, you know, some products that are free, but some don't capture all the malware. I mean, um, you really have to look at their spec sheets before you actually make a decision as to what to use. I mean, it's good to run the active scan every now and now and then. Zone Alarms is a fairly decent firewall, but it's not like an all-inclusive solution. So there's little pieces here and there that you could get to handle a certain threat. I, I should note as, as well, I'm, I'm just on the uh, Internet Security 2007 page, um, that, and I'm getting my pricing in, in Canadian here so our, our American friends can reduce it a little bit. We're looking at 100 bucks for three PCs. That's right, and that's, that's for the Internet Security. There's different suites that have different capabilities. If you just wanted a plain anti-mower solution, AV 2007 is the um, basic version. Then there's the middle version. Some have different functionalities over each other, where the top end one is internet security. Obviously, certain stores and certain discounts are given depending on the time of year. Um, we're running out of time here, and I wanted to get this question in before. Um, I didn't find a place to slip it in. It's, it's a fun one. Ryan, is there a geek mafia? Probably. I'm sure there is a geek mafia. Well, um, we hear stories about extortion attempts. Oh, yeah. We hear I mean, stories. Okay. I'll give you a good example. Um, have you guys ever heard of the um, million-dollar webpage? They're selling yeah. pixels at a buck each. There's mm -hmm. actually an attempt by an organized crime group, um, extortion gangs, which actually say, we're going to bring your site down with malicious code unless you pay us. And that's another type of um, 
gangs that go out there and extort sites by threatening, damaging actions. So there is, um, though it may not well be well organized, and it, it you know maybe uh, slightly smarter than the Sopranos, but less organized. There is, you know, a, definitely a geek mafia. <laughs> definitely, because the is there the, any- the, the mo- motivation and the potential for financial gain through this for the theft is like a cash cow. Right. Is there any industry-wide initiative that you can speak to? To deal with malware, with worms, with uh, phishing, or with, with any with cybercrime in general of, of this nature. Well, there's there's actually you know community groups. I mean, one of the first ones is the Anti-Spyware Coalition, which is just a various groups of industry experts. There's there's other ones too that um, deal with that. I mean, obviously, all the companies are becoming aware, and it's kind of like a community trading between that because each malware lab does share samples with each other at a strategic level in order to combat these threats. So there's actually different um, groups that try to handle this, but they are trying to develop industry-wide initiatives to go after this stuff. And being that the trend is fairly recent, um, we're starting to see that develop. What's the? Uh, I guess this is this is probably the last question I have time to get in here. Um, what's your long-term prognosis, Doc? I would say that the the threat trend that we predict is more sophisticated, economically driven attacks finding new models to exploit, um, such as different services online. They're going to figure out how to exploit that. We're just going to see a trend in organized crime, economically motivated malware. Click fraud is just the beginning. We'll probably find some way to exploit some other paper um, service, something like that. Wow. So moving into 2007, um, it's uh, kind of a bleak outlook on the on the cybercrime front. It is, but there is good products out there that have good defenses to be able to handle the solution here. Um, and there's obviously good people. There's obviously good people out there working on it. Um, we got a signal from the from the producers. We're uh, down to our last minute. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. I'd love to have you on again, and I'm really hoping to interview you for um, Site Pro News again in the future. Sure. My pleasure there, Jim. And we'll be and, um Oh, sorry, man. I want to wish you and uh, everyone at Panda a, uh, a happy new year. Thank you, you so much. Bye bye. Well, there you have it, friends. That was Ryan Shabatasov from uh, from Panda Software, and he told us a rather frightening, frightening tale. So, Dave, are you downloading new software yet? <laughs> I will be shortly. I've got to wait till this scan is done. My only uh, downside to this one is it, it wouldn't run in Firefox. <laughs> oh, harsh. Well, did you find anything yet? Not yet. Well, it, it won't report till the end, but it's uh, it's thorough. It's only about five percent through here right now, so it'll take a find while. Out where, you get to find out where the kids have been going, huh? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, friends, we're out of here for another week. This was this has been a really interesting and, and rather frightening show. Um, we will be back next week, though. We're going to be uh, doing our predictions and our look back at the year show. Is that right, Dave? It is indeed, and. Uh, I'd like to wish a happy holiday to everybody out there until uh, till next week. 
Well, to you and your family and everyone out there, happy holiday, happy, happy new year. Um, oh, and a message to my dad. Dad, I'm coming home for Christmas. Stock up the cabinet, bro. This has been The Alternative on Webmaster Radio. We're sponsored by the ISEDN.org. Thank you all for listening.